Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Yeah, my name is Nigel. Guy Relford's two A attorney, licensed firearms instructor, is uh, filling in for Hammer. And usually, when you fill in, we have a do a couple ask the gun guy call in segments. Absolutely, so the floor is yours. You got the names in front of you there. We got a full full load here. I do. And by the way, we have three people on hold named Chris. So when I say (laughs) Chris, you're on the air. You may or may not be you. (laughs) So and with that, we'll go to Chris. Welcome to Hammer and Nigel, man. What do you got for us? Am I the right Chris? You are Chris. You, you, you are Chris right. number one. You bet. All right. Very good. Hey, my, uh, my question deals with uh, generally like trading guns between private owners. Yeah. I have a shotgun. I have a shotgun that my, my wife really can't use. It's too big. It's one of those like uh, AK semi-auto shotguns. Oh, yeah. Too like a Sega her. or something. Yeah. Yeah. Too big for her. So I want something else. And a friend wants to trade. With me, and I just want to find out what the legalities are, are of that, and I'll hang up and listen to your uh, listen to your answer. Sure, Chris. Thanks for calling. Yeah, I mean, totally legal in Indiana. You just simply can't transfer a firearm. So this goes to both of you if you're going to swap firearms to someone that you know to be ineligible to buy their own gun from a dealer for reasons other than age. So you can't, um, you know, uh, give a gun to someone part of a trade or a sale or any other way. Someone, you know, you know is a felon or you know it has a domestic violence order of protection against them, something along those lines. Other than that, uh, if it's someone that, you know, as far as you know, is totally uh, lawful to possess a firearm, you can do that. And, uh, and it's totally legal in Indiana. And, and by the way, we don't have gun registration in Indiana. So some people say, well, if I swap a gun or I sell a gun, do we have to go down to the police station or send something to the state police? Um, there's no requirement along those lines either because we don't have, quote unquote, registration in Indiana uh, or at the federal level. Let's go back to the phone lines. Renee, love it when our lady callers uh, call in. Renee, welcome uh, to the gun guy. Or, it's not the gun guy show. <laughs> it's, it's, right. the, it's Ask the Gun Guy on Hammer and Nigel. So uh, welcome. What do you got for us? Well, hello. Um, my question is, I read over earlier this week that in Minnesota, they're getting to legalize recreational marijuana yes. on August 1st. But they're also talking about taking away or restricting your two-way rights by you can't have guns or ammunition. So oh, I'm just they, curious, how does that actually work? It is such a good question, Renee, and thank you it? so much. Well, what she's saying is that she's 100% right as far as the foundation for her question, which is that... Um, and, and, and this is the answer to the question. If you are, according to federal law, if you are a user of or addicted to any illegal drug, you cannot possess firearms. A user of or addicted to. Okay. Marijuana is still a Schedule One drug under the 1970 Controlled Substances Act, uh, which is the federal, yeah, federal law, law that right. defines illegal drugs. So it is. It is actually in the highest schedule in terms of addictive, with no um, uh, beneficial, no no beneficial um, effects. Which, of course, is ridiculous when we're talking about marijuana. It's right up there with cocaine and meth and other ridiculously uh, more harmful drugs. But the point is, it's still illegal at the federal level. And federal law says you can't possess a gun if you're a user of or addicted to illegal drugs. And the wow. feds have taken the position that even though they don't enforce 
the prohibition against marijuana at in states that have legalized marijuana, they still take the position that it's an illegal drug. And if you use marijuana, it doesn't matter whether it's legal in your state. It doesn't matter whether you have a medical marijuana card in the states that have medical marijuana cards. None of that matters. If you're a user of marijuana, you cannot possess a firearm. And that's why in Minnesota or other places, they're issuing that warning. In fact, Nige, if you go in wow. to buy a gun and you fill out the, sneaky the, bastards, the, oh yeah, if you go in to buy a gun in a gun store and you fill out a form called the ATF 4473 form, and that's your, essentially your application to buy that gun. One of the questions, once you start answering questions after you fill in the identifying information or whatnot, it says, you know, are you uh, have you ever been convicted of a crime for which you could have been sentenced to more than a year? That that's a felon, uh, felony. So you say no. The next one down says, uh, are user uh, user of or addicted to any illegal drugs? And right below that it says this includes marijuana in those states where marijuana is legal. So I tell people all the time, and I've, I've told you know folks working to legalize marijuana in Indiana, hey, look, do I think marijuana should be illegal? Of course not. It's ridiculous that, that it is. At the same time, um, people need to know, as long as it's illegal at the federal level, you're essentially relinquishing your Second okay. Amendment rights if you are a documented user of marijuana. Wow. Yeah. That's, and so what if you check no? Uh, but you get busted. Well, it, then you lied on the form, and that's ten years in prison. Wow! And and and, and, they, and they are and they prosecute people for lying on the forty four seventy three. I know Whoa. I've defended those cases. So thanks for Renee. Thanks to man, Renee oh, for man. calling in Good because call. it's, it's a really important question, and and it needs to be part of the discussion when we're talking about legalizing marijuana. I tell people, you want to smoke marijuana? Awesome. Good for you. You, you want to fight to legalize it? Awesome. But it. But you know, a priority ought to be getting that changed around at the federal level so it's no longer illegal because otherwise you're jeopardizing your Second Amendment rights. Big deal. Back to the phone lines, and Jim has called in. Jim, welcome to Hammer and Nigel, man. What do you got for us? Well, thanks, guy. Hey, listen, I am a uh, first-time gun, gun buyer, uh-huh. and I bought a, uh, a pistol uh, in April 26th, mm-hmm. and I still haven't got my registration for it. And I'm just wondering what the hang would be. Well, yeah, there's, again, we don't have registration, Jim. So the, you, 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 is it, you haven't gotten approval from the gun store to transfer it to you? That's correct. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, and see, that's what happens here. And, and it goes back to the process I was just talking about with Renee. You go in, you fill out the 4473. The, the gun store takes your identifying information, and they send that to NICS, the National Instant Criminal Background Check System run by the FBI out of Wheeler, West Virginia. They then look into your background. And they either they, they do one of three things in response to, to that instant background check. They either uh, give the gun store a proceed, which means you get your gun. Uh, they give them a denial, which means, no, you're a prohibited possessor. You can't possess guns. Or they do a delay. And if it's a delay... And, and we're getting to the end of this period now, that, that gives the government some more time to continue to checking into something they found that they want to take a second look at. So this could be, a lot of times what happens, like, uh, you may have like a, a, and I'm not suggesting, Jim, that you have anything in particular on your background. I'm just giving you a hypothetical that explains it in some circumstances. That is, like, if you have a battery conviction, just a misdemeanor from way back when. 
Uh, I may or may not have uh, had an issue of course. Uh, <laughs> with a battery or two when I was you working were, in bars back in the day. Yeah, sure. And, uh, and, and, and they need to make sure, they need to investigate that and make sure the victim wasn't like a, a, a wife or a live-in girlfriend or a boyfriend or somebody, because that makes it a crime of domestic violence and you can't possess a firearm. So there's some additional investigation they're going through, Jim. Um, after a certain amount of time, and this has been lengthened recently uh, under some circumstances uh, through this so-called Safer Communities Act that was just passed last year. But after a certain amount of time, the gun store, if it wants to, if they still haven't gotten a denial or a proceed after you've been delayed, they can go ahead and transfer the gun to you. But a lot of gun stores won't. They say, nope, until the government completes its investigation and we get a proceed, we won't send you the gun. But but the answer to Jim's question is, it means the government's still looking at it. Is Jim still on the line? He is. Yeah. Jim? Hey, Jeff, yeah, yeah. What, yeah. So how old are you, man? I'm 74. Why did you just now decide to become a uh, gun owner? Have you watched the news lately? <laughs> completely understand, Jim. What a perfect answer to that question. What a perfect answer to that question. You know, I'm, you know, I just don't trust anything anymore. I mean... I haven't even had a parking ticket, and I can't remember how long. Oh, see, that's yeah. That's why I was confused. Yeah. I mean, I'm confused. Right. Well. Hey, thanks, and, and Jim. Jim. And Jim, what it thanks may be call. is you, you, your name and or your social security number may just be very close to somebody else's who's a prohibited possessor, and they just, they're trying to make sure that you're not him. We're in the middle of the Ask the Gun Guy segment. Guy Relford filling in for Hammer, so the floor is yours. We Absolutely, man. Let's go back to the phone lines. And Chris, number two, is called in. Chris, welcome to Hammer and Nigel. Hey, thanks, gents. Um, I'm assuming this is Chris number two, Yep, right? you, you got it, All man. Right, cool. All right, uh, so I'm, I've been a gun owner for a while, and um, I live in Hamilton County where uh, about a month or two months ago there was a, a home invasion involving a shooting and I believe a death um, of the in, the invader. Um, I just wanted to know as a gun owner and as a father and a husband, you know, if God forbid something like that happens to my family, what can I expect as follow-on steps after the, the round leaves of the chamber well it's a great question and first of all you know if, if you shoot someone and and they die that's a homicide um doesn't mean it's a crime it just means that it's the intentional killing of a human being the question then becomes is it justified indiana law is very clear and if you want to look this up the statute number is 35-41-3-2 and, and, and it spells out what we call the castle doctrine, which means you can use reasonable force, including deadly force, Chris, to either prevent or terminate an unlawful entry into your home. That goes on from there, but that's the relevant part for this discussion. So if you're justified because you're terminating an unlawful entry into your home, then the, the police very quickly are going to determine that you were justified. The question becomes, what's the, what should the immediate aftermath look like? Do you want to give a statement to police immediately after you've been through what may be one of the more traumatic things that's ever happened to you? Um, when your emotions may be raging. Let's say, you know, after you turn the lights on, you look down and this person's very young. Or it's a female or something, and you're, and you're thinking, oh, my God, you know, I shouldn't have pulled the trigger, I shouldn't have done it, um, or any, num any number of other emotions. Um, is that a time when you want to be given probably the most important statement you've ever given, given in your life? Probably not. So it, it's totally appropriate to tell responding to police that you'd be glad to cooperate, you, you'll give a complete statement, but that's after you've had a chance to calm down and your attorney is present. Because um, you can talk to your lawyer, you know, you know, what the rules are, your lawyer, and you can make a decision of, of whether you're going to 
going to give a statement to police at all. Um, and and but it's going to be investigated as a homicide because that's what it is. It may be a justifiable homicide, and the circumstance you defined is completely justifiable. But you know there may be handcuffs involved. There may be a trip downtown in the back of a police car. Um, now all those things people need to you know, uh, be ready for. Uh, but if you're justified at the end of the day, it'll work out just fine. I've now represented seven people that have taken a human life in lawful justification uh, for either defending themselves or defending a third person. Um, and they all slept in in their own beds the night after it happened uh, because com- police were able to put that together and uh, responded appropriately. And there in Hamilton County, I mean, you're, you're dealing with some really excellent uh, police departments, uh, whether it's uh, uh, Carmel uh, or Noblesville or several others, and a wonderful county sheriff in Dennis Quakenbush who understands our gun laws better than most law enforcement. Um, so you're in fine shape there, too. About two and a half minutes here. Yeah, let's go back to the phone lines. Meredith's been on uh, hold for quite a while. Meredith, welcome to Hammer and Nigel. Thank you. Hey, Guy. Um, you listen to the news and all you hear is about uh, another crazy shooting someplace and all they talk about is assault weapons, assault weapon, assault weapon. Is there such a thing as an assault weapon? Well, yeah, it's a great question, Meredith. I mean, assault weapon, quote unquote, is a made up political term that's designed to demonize the largest uh, group of, 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 of modern sporting rifles uh, and the most commonly owned rifles in America. So it was certainly created not because it's a legitimate term that describes any group of firearms, but because it, it sounds scary and uh, and people who despise your Second Amendment rights made up the term. Since then, I mean, we can't really say there's no definition for the term because in the so-called assault weapon bans that we had, for instance, in uh, at the federal level from 94 to 04, and that various states, you know, a dozen or so states have passed so-called assault weapon bans at the state level, they're able to define them. They'll say it's a semi-automatic rifle with a detachable magazine that has certain scary features. And then what they're doing now and this is the assault weapon ban, quote unquote, that passed the last Congress in the House, didn't get a vote in the Senate. They, they, they describe it generically, and then they go on to say, um, including these makes and models, and they list like pages and pages. Wow. You know, the, the SIG 556, uh, you know, this gun and the Wilson Protector, and they, they just go right down and name them by make and model. So they can come up with a definition, um, but, but the origin of the term is a completely made up political term that 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 real gun uh enthusiasts don't use because it's 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 just a political term uh intended to to try to demonize a whole class of firearms time for one more here got one more chris uh our third chris i wanted to get to you buddy so my question kind of goes with chris number two so i i've carried now for about 15 years you know thankfully i have never had to use it pull my firearm out nothing but a question i've always had is when is it legal or illegal to, I guess, pull, have to pull your firearm out if there was a scuffle or somebody was in your face? Or, yeah, I, I'll, like I'll tell I, you, we, we got about 15 I, seconds, Chris, and so I apologize. We don't, we don't have a lot of time, but I'll tell you this. Basically, you have to be defending against serious bodily injury or the commission of a forcible felony. It's a lot more complicated than that, but that's all I've got time for right now. Much more to come here on the Hammer and Nigel Show.